We uh, start um, this week. We read about actually the Jewish people leaving Egypt, and this is the uh, the verses. I want you to read uh, Heidi. Maybe you start. Read verse forty. That's uh, tells us sums up how long the, the Jews were in Egypt. Okay, so let's do forty. And the habitation of the children of Israel that they dwelled in Egypt was four hundred and thirty years. So here you have a very clear verse that states. Then how long did the Jews live in Egypt for? For 430 years, right? 430 years. Now do the next one as well. Do one more. It came to pass at the end of 430 years, and it came to pass in that very day that all the legions of the Lord went out of the land of Egypt. There's another, There's again, there's a repetition over here. It came to pass at the end of 430 years. We just said it. This is a verse that follows the previous verse. Mm-hmm. <coughs> at the end of 440 years, and it came to pass, and that very day, again, there is Be'etzim Hayim, that very day, and, all, and that all the legions of the Lord went out of the land of Egypt. What is, what is the verse trying to tell you over here that it keeps on saying to you, in that very day, um, in the Hebrew, it's Be'etzim Hayim that they left Egypt. And again, it says again, after 430 years. So, like the first question we ask is how many years did the Bnei Yisrael spend in Egypt? Okay, so in these two verses it says that they spent in Egypt 430 years. Now, what could be more authentic and more uh, you know accurate than what the Torah itself says? It says that the Jewish people lived in Egypt for 430 years. So that seems to be beyond any question. So. We'll, we will see, we will see, um, as we uh, study the Rashi, we will see that actually this verse is, is, is trying to tell us a very uh, important message. You know, a lot of times things happen and we don't know why they happen. That's just the way God decreed. See, when we use the word decreed, God decreed, it means like a decree is something which we may not always understand. We may not be able to question. We may not understand. So, as we'll see, God decreed that the Jewish people should be in Egypt. Or God decreed that the Jewish people should be in exile. God decreed that. Decreed means that what? That it doesn't necessarily mean we know why, but he decreed that way. But what the Pasik is trying, the verse is trying to tell us over here, the way Rashi explains it is that it came to pass at the end of the 430 years. That means that is precisely the moment after 430 years was the moment that that decree was over. Once that decree was over, it came to pass at the end of 430 years. Instantly, the Pasik says, and it came to pass in that very day. And according to the Hebrew and Rashi says, it's not only in that very day, in that very instant, on that very moment, in that very moment when the 430 years, when it was up, then all the legions of the Lord went out of the land of Egypt. God did not even keep them for one blink of an eye extra over there. Which basically what the verse is trying to tell us is that even while we're in exile, it's not like God neglects us or God forgets us or God uh, lets us go, but He still cares about us all the time. So if the end comes, once the decree is over, we're out of there. So the same thing is with our exile. But the, the question to under, really fully understand and appreciate the verse, we have to really try to understand what does it mean that the Jews were 430 years in Egypt. Let me tell you a piece of the Talmud. Uh, this is a, the Talmud. Um, I don't have it brought down over here. But the Talmud relates a story in the a tractate Megillah uh, in page 9a. So with it, the Talmud relates a story. There was a king whose name was Talmai. Talmai HaMelech. He was actually an Egyptian king. And he had... Uh, a lot of powers. I mean, he was very powerful, a very powerful king. So he took 72 
of the sages of Israel. And he put him into 72 separate rooms. And he told each one of them to go ahead and interpret, write down the Torah, translate the Torah for him into, uh, into the spoken language so he can understand it. Now the reason why he did it to 72 different rooms in different places was because he wanted to make sure that they're actually going to translate the same way, that they're all going to translate the same translation. So he had them in 72 different places. It, the Gemara says, the Talmud says that it was a tremendous miracle. It was a great miracle. It was actually a very, a very scary day because had they not come out uh, correctly, they would have been in trouble because the king would have said, well, your interpretation don't match up. The Talmud says that they uh, all interpreted exactly the same. But not only that, they interpreted actually the same. There were several verses within the Chumash that they translated that they changed from the way the verse was written <clears throat> and they modified it to say something different than what, the cha- than what the verse was written because they had to present it to Talmai, King Talmai and they knew if they just gave him the regular translation he could not possibly understand it or he would definitely sort of say negative about the Torah. So they had to change it to accommodate so his understanding. But the miraculous thing is that God gave each one of these sages who were sitting separately, they couldn't sort of consult one another to make the amendments according to the same exact idea. They all amended it. The Talmud goes through several different psukim, not that many, Sokim, in which they had, what? Bracious was the first one that says Bracious bar Lekim. They said Lekim bar Bracious. But I don't want to get into the other places. But one of them was this Pasuk over here. This is one of the Psukim that they changed. Instead of it saying in verse 40, as you read it over here, and they dwelt in Egypt was 430 years, they actually written, they, they dwelt in Egypt and elsewhere, and elsewhere meaning in Egypt and in other lands, not only Egypt. <coughs> so they, they dwelt in Egypt and elsewhere uh, for 400 years, but they, they took out the 30 years. They changed two things. First, they just wrote 400 years instead of 430. And then they also wrote not just Egypt, Egypt and elsewhere for 400 years. But that means Talmai trusted what the rabbis wrote. Not only Tama trust him, but the yeah. fact is that they all came up with the very same changes for the very similarly same problems, and they came up also with exactly the same resolution. That says something about the great miracle that Hashem did for them, that they all came up with the same interpretation. But then the question is, what's the problem? Why did they have to amend it? What was wrong with what the Torah says over here? Because the Jews were not actually 430 years in Mitzrayim. That slavery, they were 210. Does he count from the time that Yitzchak was told, Avram was told the prophecy in Brisbane of Sodom? Okay, so she's a scholar. So she's giving away some of the answers over here. I want to show them that I know something when I'm teaching. Yeah, okay, so, okay, so we're going to see what we're going to discuss today is, what is the problem? We're going to discuss some of the numbers. I know Heidi likes numbers. We're going to discuss some of the numbers over here and to see how to fit in the numbers. But most important, we'll see when you understand what the text, I'm saying in the simple meaning, when you understand what the text is trying to tell you, then you understand that there's not really a conflict between the real thing and what says in the Torah is true, but it still seems that in order to Talmai, to explain to him the Torah, they had to make those changes because he wouldn't accept it. He would say that what the Torah written isn't true, and therefore it was necessary to change it so for him to understand it. But we still need to understand and explain to ourselves what does it actually mean? How does it make sense? So what, what, is, what is the problem over here? So to, just to explain to you what the problem is, um, 
Moshe Rabbeinu, as we're going to see, is 80 years old when he takes the Jewish people out. Moshe's father was Amram. And Amram's father was Kehos. Okay? So you have like this. Kehos was the first one that came to Egypt. Let's talk for a minute. What, when did they come to Egypt? How did they come to Egypt? Remember the whole story? What, how did the Jews come to Egypt? Joseph was sold, and then there was no food, and then the brothers came, and then eventually what happened is Jacob and his whole family came to Egypt. That's when Egypt came to be. Now, in the beginning, when the Jewish people came to Egypt, things weren't bad for them. It was pretty good. They said, Negotian, matter of fact, the, the verse says that the best years of Yaakov finally were the 17 years that he lived in Egypt. So coming to Egypt doesn't necessarily mean that it was bad for them. Okay, but eventually they became slaves to Pharaoh. We're going to discuss this a little bit later. Uh, to Pharaoh and his people, they enslaved them, and then Moshe is taking them out. But who is the first one of Moshe Rabbeinu's ancestors who came to Egypt? So it was Yaakov, and then Yaakov's son, who was Levi, and Levi's son, who was Kos. So, in other words, what we're trying to say is that Kahos was already an adult, or Kahos was counted when he came to Egypt. Again, Kahos was the father of Amram, and Amram was the father of Moshe Rabbeinu. So, if you add up the entire life of Kahos, and you add up the entire life of Amram, you mean all the lives that they lived on the on the world, the entire lives they lived on this when world. They cross. Even if you didn't cross. So let's just take then we'll see that they cross also. So if we take the years of Kahos, that was Moshe's grandfather, who came to Egypt. Then you take the years of Amram, who was Moshe's father, all of the years that he lived. And you take the 80 years from Moshe Rabbeinu, you'll only come up to 350 years. Now, how do we know those years? Those are verses, again. Those are not something that one can disagree or question because these are clear verses that state that to us. So one has to say that would be, even if, let's say, Amram, Kos's son, Kos gave birth to Amram on the last day of his life. So if we know how long Kahos, let's say, even if Kahos was born in Egypt and he lived all of his life in Egypt, the Torah tells us that Kahos was 133 years. And then we also have, these verses are switched over here, so Yudches 18 comes before 20, but it's just recorded here differently. But, so, Kahos was 133 years, that was his extent of his life. The extent of Amram's life was 137 years. So you have 133 plus 137, and then the 80 years of Moshe Rabbeinu. That is, together, is 350 years. So there wasn't even 350, it was 350 years from the day that Kahos was born till the day that Moshe Rabbeinu took him out of Egypt. And let's not forget, Kehos didn't come, wasn't born in Egypt. He was born in, in Canaan before he came to Egypt, right? And Amram was born in the middle of the life of Kehos. And Moshe Rabbeinu was born in the middle of the life of Amram. So you need to minus all that from the account. Right. So how do we get 400 years in, in Egypt? With 430 years, you don't even have 350 years in Egypt. Why don't we read it inside? Do, do the verses inside, uh, Nancy. Do verse 7. Okay. Um, and Moses was that, that. So the question was, how old was Moshe when he took the Jews out of Egypt? And Moses yeah. was eighty years old, and Aaron was eighty-three years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. And just about then, it took it didn't take that much time, and they left of Egypt. It was all within that year when he was eighty years old. So the verse states clearly that he was eighty years old. So now we know that he was eighty. Now let's see. His father, how old was? To the next verse, Nancy, 20. Amram took, jo- that one? Yeah. Amram took, how do you say? Jochebed. Jochebed. his aunt, and as his wife, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. And the years of Amram's life were 137 years. So that's Amram's, that's Moshe's father. Amram's Moshe's father. He lived for 137 years. Okay. And then, 
Okay, how old was Kahos, who was Amram's father, when he passed away? How long did he did he live? Yeah, old. And the sons yep. of God, Kahos, yep. were Amram, Ishar, Hebron, and Uziel. And the years of Kahos' life were 133 years. Okay, so now we have the numbers how long they lived. So you have 133 for Kahos, you have 137 for Amram, you have 80 for Moshe, Together it's 350. So even if Kahas were to give birth to Amram on the last day of his life, and Amram were to give birth to Moshe on the last day of his life, when Moshe turned 80, how old would Kahas be? 80 plus 137 plus 133 would be 350. That means if you pile them up one on top of the other, and that's not the case. Where was Kahas, Moshe's grandfather, born? He was born in Canaan. He then went up together with the 70 family members to Egypt. How do we know that? Okay, Mr. Wilson, let's do the next. So let's see, we'll see here clearly that Kahas was went along. So let's do the several next Pesukim. And these are the names of the children of Israel who were coming to Egypt. Jacob and his sons. Jacob's firstborn was Reuven. And the sons of Reuven were Hanoch and Palu and Hezron and Carmi. And the sons of Shimon were Shmuel, Shamin, Shm- uh, Ibnei Shemon were Yemuel, and Yamin, and Ohad, and Yachin, and Sochar, and Shaul, ben Haknanis. These are all his sons. And the sons of Levi were Gershon, Kahas, and Merari. So these are from the 70 people that are going on. This is clearly in the verse telling you what's going on. And this means <coughs> that when Moshe took out the Bnei Yisro from Egypt at the age of 80, they could not even have been in Egypt 350 years. Since from 350, we need to minus, not even 350, why? needs to minus the years of Kahos that he lived in Canaan before he came to Egypt. Because he was born, so he lived. But we're, we, we counted 133 years for him. That was his entire lifespan. But he wasn't born in, in Egypt. He was born in Canaan. We also have to minus the years that Kahos lived after giving birth to Amram. And we need to minus the years that Amram lived after giving to Moshe. Because they didn't give birth on the day they died. So there were still years that wasn't with them. So how could it possibly be that the Bnei Yisro were in Egypt for 430 years? That seems to be a very powerful question. That is why uh, when Talmai had to, ex- they had to explain to Talmai, they couldn't just tell him that they were 430 years because it could not possibly be. Okay. Now, the other, let's throw into the fray another problem. In Bereshis 15.13, that is in the beginning, this is the, the encounter where God speaks to Abram, the beginning. Abram is foretold what is going to take place to his children. So over there it says that Hashem says to Abram, his descendants will be in exile for 400 years. Now notice, there's a change over there. Over here it says 430 years. Over, it's the back page of the previous page that you were holding, the back of it. So over there it says that they will be for 400 years. How come in our Pasuk it says 430 years? Over there God promises him that they're going to be in Egypt for 400 years. That's what it says. Okay. I read ahead, I know why. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, so let's see. Heidi, do the verse 13. Okay, the reason is what I'm doing is I'm just showing you the verses in which it each right. is recorded, mm-hmm. all the statements, so you know the facts are taken from the Pasuk. Okay? I do it. Okay, and it said? And he said to Abraham, you shall, you shall surely know that your seed will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and they will enslave them and oppress them for 400 years. 400 years. So why in this verse does it say A? So what does it say over here? It doesn't just say. It says A. It says your seed. And be in a land that's not theirs. That's what it says. They will be in a land that's theirs. Why does it not simply say, Bnei Yisrael will be strangers in Mitzrayim? Meaning, which would, A, not be talking about specifically your seed. It was talking about sons of Israel. And B, it wouldn't be talking about just general, not their land. But it's talking about in Egypt, specifically, where they were. The answer is, 
that the decree of your seed will be strangers in a land that is not theirs begins with the birth of Abraham's seed, Yitzchak. We're actually not talking about only Egypt. We're talking about when the moment that he had his seed, the moment, the moment that Yitzchak was born, that is when it begins. And although in the beginning when Yitzchak was born, they were not in Mitzrayim, but still, they were strangers in a land that is not theirs. It says that they weren't in their land because Yitzchak did not live in the land. They were still not uh, fully, uh, they didn't hold the land. It wasn't theirs while they were in the land of, of, of Canaan. It didn't belong to them. It didn't belong to them. And, they were, and the verse always calls them strangers. From the time Yitzchak was born until they left Egypt, they were 400 years. So, now, we know when we say in this verse 400, it doesn't say in this verse that there are going to be 400 in Egypt. It doesn't say that you will be. It says your seed will be. So the way it's understood is from the time you have a seed, which is Yitzchak, from that time you're going to be in a place, not Egypt, you're going to be not in your own land. And that's going to be 400 years. So that is what God is telling him over here. Okay. So now, the question is, how do we get the extra 30 in our verse? Over here it says they were, okay. So now we're trying to say, they weren't 400 years in Egypt, they were 400 years not in their land. That's what we're saying. But 400 years starts to count from Yitzchak. But how do we get the other 30 years? How many years after Hashem speaks to Abraham was Yitzchak born? So, God is saying to him, your seed will be. Okay, so how many years after Hashem speaks to Abraham, tells him about there, was Yitzchak born? They're saying 30. So the actual, the actual um, time that they were, that his seed was in a land that's not theirs, was actually 400 years. But from the time that God said this to Abraham, from the time that God says to Abram, you see, it'll be, there was an additional 30 years because it took 30 years for Yitzchak to be born. Mm-hmm. So when our verse says over here that um, at the end, uh, that it, it was 430, uh, 430 years, at the end of 430 years, we're actually talking from the moment because our, the purpose of our verse is to tell us that instantly on that very day that the end came, that the 430 years came, exactly at that point God takes them out. As we're going to see now in the Rashi, actually it's, it's exactly to the point, to the exact point that Hashem takes them out from when He, uh, from when he spoke to him. So let's let's see over there. Okay, so now, so the Pasik in Lech Lecha says 400. It is from the time Yitzchok was born. That's over there in Breshit. That's in Lech Lecha over there in the book of Genesis. But the Pasik in Bo, in our, in Exodus, in our Verchumash, in Bo, it says 430. That is from the time Hashem spoke to him. I'm going to keep this out of the confusion right now, but it gets a little bit more confused because it doesn't appear when you read the Pesukim, the verses, and we'll discuss this at the end, it doesn't appear that there was actually 30 years from when God spoke to him until the time that Moshe Rabbeinu, until the time that Yitzchak was born. It almost seems that there was less than 25 years. There's actually evidence to that. So we're going to discuss this number 30. And also, so why are you saying that if it says from the time you see, why is he giving this extra, just from the time Hashem spoke to him, Brisbane, Absalom, whatever, 25 years, 30 years, why does that go into the equation? See, good, good question. And this is actually the, the entire point over here. Hold that. What... What is the Pusik trying to tell us? I started off with that. What is the Pusik trying to tell us over here? The Pusik wants to tell us God's love for the Jewish people that he didn't keep them even for one extra. For one extra what? 
one extra instance from the time that the decree was made. That's when, because the when it actually manifests itself is not so much the important part. The important part is at the time when it came up in God's wishes, in His will, to send them to exile, when the decree was made. The verse is saying 430 years, because the ti- all the timing was hinged on when it all started, from the time that the decree came about. That is when the important part is, that's what's important to us, to tell us, as we'll soon see in the words of Rashi, that Hashem did not delay them, not from the time that the exile began, but from the time that it all started when Hashem first had this decree. From that moment on, it, 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 it immediately, uh, when it came to the point, it, 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 it stopped. That's why the Torah is counting from that. That's the important date over here. Not when it actually took place, but when we're dealing is when it came into that decree of Hashem. So as soon as the time of the decree is over, it all stops right away. That's why we bring in over here 430. Why we're not talking about the 400? Why we're talking about the 430? Because that's what we're trying to say over here, how much Hashem loves us, even the fact that we're there. It's some sort of a decree. But then it, uh, we'll see We'll see a little bit more in Rashi. Was there something specific about the number 400 or 430? Or no, that was when the decree... Look, that's well, a separate I'm question. I'm sure there's uh, there's significance to that. But in, we're just still trying to figure out what is the simple meaning of the 431? We'll get to that. We'll try to figure out what the 400. I mean, you could equate the number 400 to the 400 shekels that Abraham gave out that to bury her to 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 them, and the 400 represents something in a negative in a way because that was giving uh, to the people, giving them the kesef uh, from Abraham maybe to make it up, and they use have to be corresponding with the 400 uh, that there is. The number 400 significance is in very, very different. In the Kabbalah, there's 400 uh, categories of uh, severe judgment, which is connected to the number 400. Mm-hmm. It's also, um, so there's various different ways to connect, but that's separate. separate. All right, so let's, okay, so now, so let's do again, we just did, and let's do now, we'll see how the Rashi do, we'll do the Rashi. Okay, let's do it. So who's uh, Nancy? Why don't you do the next verse 40 again? We do it. And the inhabitants of children of Israel, just to do, we'll do the Rashi now. And the habitation of the children of Israel that they dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. Now look what Rashi says. So here in the verse again, what does it say? It seems like they lived in Egypt 430 years, right? So Rashi right away is commented that they dwelt in Egypt. So continue, say, say the Rashi. Um, that they dwelt in Egypt after the other dwellings in which they dwelled as foreigners in a land that was not theirs. So Rashi adds, when it says here, this, the, the habitations, the children of Israel, that they dwelt in Egypt following the other ones that they were there together, it was added to 430. Added to 430, but not uh, just Egypt. So we're adding the words over here. After the other dwellings in which they were dwelt as foreigners and land that's not their own, that's not theirs, which is referencing that, which is what God told to Abraham back then in the Parshish Lech Lecha. So after that, if you clue that also, then you have a total of 400 years. Okay. Now, dude, let's do the next Rashi. It was 430 years. Okay, so you want to do the next Rashi? Do the next Rashi, okay. Altogether, from the time that Isaac was born until now were 400 years. From the time that Abraham had seed, had a child, the prophecy, that your seed will be strangers, was fulfilled. And there were another 30 years from the decree. Okay, and then there was another... Okay, so first we had 400 years from the time, not when they were in Egypt, but from them. Okay. And there were another 30 years from... From the decree between the parts until Isaac was born. So there was 30 years there. So there's 430. So altogether, there was 430. 400 was from when Isaac was born, and there was another 30 years from that time. Okay. It's impossible, however, to say that they spent 400 years in Egypt alone, because Kahoth, the grandfather of Moses, was one of those who came with Jacob. Go and figure all his years, all the years of his son Amran and Moses, 80 years. You will not find them to be that many. And perforce, Kahoth lived many of his years before he descended to Egypt. And many of Amram's years are included in the years of Kohos, and many of Moses' years are included in Amram's years. Hence, you will not find 400 years counting from their arrival in Egypt. You are compelled, perforce, to say that the other dwellings, which the patriarchs settled, were also called 
being sojourning. Sojourning means not owning, not being there, being Travelers, not. Travelers, like. Yeah. And even in Hebron, as it says. So they, they were actually in Canaan. They were in Israel, they were in Canaan, but still, they didn't own it, they weren't there. Right. But it wasn't even called Israel yet. It right. was Canaan. It's Canaan. Canaan. Yeah. The Canaanites. How does it say? Where Abraham and Isaac sojourned. So the verse says Gerus over there, that they sojourned there, okay? And scripture states also the land of the sojournings in which they sojourned. Just telling you that they wrote okay. Therefore. Therefore, you must say that the prophecy, your seed will be strangers, commences when he, Abraham, had offspring. And only when you count 400 years from the time Isaac was born, you will find 210 years from their entry into Egypt. This is one of the things that the sages changed for King Ptolemy. Okay, that's what you had told yeah. us. Okay, so now we're saying over here that um, Rashi brings up this number of <coughs> 210 years. Right? Rashi brings it up with the number of 210 years. Now, uh, it's 210 we was, from the entry into the land of Egypt. Egypt right. So they were in Egypt for 210 years. Egypt, they were 210 years. Even from the time that Joseph was good to them and everything was there, the 17 years they were living yes. in Goshen. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now the question becomes so they're 210 years in Egypt. Now, when did the slavery begin? That's what we're going to say. When did it start? When did the problem start? Now, how do we get to the 210 years? Now we're going to do... You know what I mean? This is all what you learn this and read this, and yeah. you don't get it from the source. No, because you've got to go back and forth with the various different pesukim. Actually, what we just learned was basically the Rashi. I just articulated, brought it out, but the Rashi Bruce just says it all. No, because it's and it's actually comes from the Gemara. How come the kids are getting Oh, you got the same thing. I got the same thing. Okay. I got this. Okay. I have okay. Now I wanted to. Okay, so I wanted to. Um, okay, do, so we'll do for verse 41. Okay, so I'll say, do verse 41. And it came to pass at the end of 430 years. This is the second Pasuk in this, in this order that we just read. Okay. And it came to pass in that very day that all the legions of the Lord went out of the land of Egypt. So again, Rashi here is going to explain why are we talking about, I just want to say this, if you noticed, like in Chayisara, over there, um, the verse, when it says, it says the word Shana each time, it's, it's learned separately. Over here also in the verse it says, Shloshim Shana v'arba Shana. It doesn't say Shloshim v'arba Shana. Same thing in previous verse. Shloshim, there's an extra word Shana, so this that separates it. It says 30 years and 400 years. It doesn't say 430 years. So because those years, it's an indication that those are different years. They're not one and the same. Just like by Sur, it says, Meyashana, Veshev, Meyashana, Veshev, each one is, is Darshan by itself. Over here too, it's the same thing, similar way. Okay. So do the Rashi. Okay. And it came to pass at the end of 430 years, and it came to pass in that very day. This tells us that as soon as the end of this period arrived, the omnipresent did not keep them even as long as the blink of an eye. On the 15th day of Nisan, the angels came to Abraham to bring him tidings. On the 15th of Nisan, Isaac was born. On the 15th of Nisan, the decree of between the parts was decreed. Now, it's very interesting. Rashi makes here a reference to the exact moment that the 400 years actually came up. But again, we're talking about the decree over here because that's when it all started. But Rashi makes a reference over here. Look at this very, very carefully. It says, on the 15th of Nisan, Isaac was born. We said from the day that your seed, that's when the 400 years begin. Mm -hmm. Now, it says, on the 15th of Nisan, he was born. How do we know that Isaac was born on the 15th of Nisan? We'll see in a minute. Then it says, on the 15th of Nisan, the decree of between the parts was decreed. That means the 430 years, it started off, the decree was to Hashem, the Hashem made the decree 30 years beforehand, it was on the 15th day of Nisan. 30 years later, Yitzchak was born. On that very same day. And a year before he was born. And a year before he was born, the angels came to Abraham to bring him tidings. Why do we have to bring in here the angels? Because the only way that we know really that Yitzchak was born on the 15th day 
is from the time that the angels came and brought him the news to Abraham that his wife is going to give birth in a year from then. So what, what are we talking about is this. You remember in the story it says the angels came to visit Abraham, right? And one of the angels told him that next year, at this time, and Rashi says over there, he made him a line on the wall, and he says when the sun comes back at this point, it will be a son to your daughter. Now, it's up to your, uh, your wife will have, uh, Sarah will have a son. Exactly when it comes back there. Apparently, the, um, the, 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 the movement of the, uh, of, the, uh, the moon, of the sun was such that it came back exactly to that time of the year. Now, again, that's another issue that I've written up elsewhere because I had, because you're talking about here the Hebrew months, again, what are the Hebrew months then? What kind of calendar did they use then? It seems like it was a calendar of, of the Hebrew months because we find all the Hebrew months being spoken of even though it was before the temple, before the whole witnesses established the month, it doesn't seem like the sun doesn't follow by the Hebrew calendar. So you won't say, you can't say, like at this point, the sun comes and it comes back next to this, at this exact point, uh, cannot mean um, uh, at this point. Now, perhaps now that I'm speaking, I think it seems to me, they weren't talking about when the sun next year is talking about the time of the day. It was actually midday, and they just said, at this point next year, which means they were talking about Pesach time. They're saying to him that at this time in Pesach, and they weren't talking about the time of the year at all. It wasn't the time of the year, but they were talking about the time of the day, that day in which they were. And he said, at this particular time, she'll have a child, which means that the child will be born exactly in midday, not by the time of the year, because... That would be a difficulty to say that the time of the year should go by the Hebrew month because we're trying to do it over here from Pesach to Pesach. Because what happened? Why can't it be Pesach to Pesach all year? But because, in other words, the position of the sun is different on a yearly basis besides on the daily basis. First of all, I'm not sure exactly how that manifests itself. Mm. But second of all, Pesach doesn't bring to next Pesach. It's only by the English month that it brings you back, but not necessarily Pesach to Pesach. If you do a 12-month year or a 13-month year, depending on what and how to catch up. And, you know, we see that there was leap years. There's all these things that we have today was also then. question is exactly how, how it was done. But the point over here is like this. They came to Sarah, and they told her, next year at this point, and they made it on the wall. Now, I'm suggesting now that on the wall, they just were making at the time of the day, not at this time of year, that there was going to be, but it was the time of the day. At this particular time, uh, it was going to be. Maybe it's also for the year. Maybe you can tell by the sun. I'm not sure. At each angle of the sun, there would be uh, a yearly thing. And how to match it up with uh, the month of Nisan, that's another question. But the bottom line is, what was that time? When was it that the... uh, gave the news to Sarah. When was it that they gave the news to Sarah? Which day was it? When was it? So the clue we have is because it says as soon as they left Abraham, they went to Lot, to his nephew Lot, to Sodom, because they went there. It says, when they came to Sodom, it says that he made for them matzis. So the verse says, it says, matzis ofalam. It doesn't say by Abraham that he made it. Just totally, over there it says, just let's go ahead and make Cakes. It didn't say over there, but over there it says by by uh, by by Yitzchak. It says by Lot. It says that um, he made the matzahs. So Rashi said, "Why did he make matzahs?" He says, it "Was Pesach. It was the fifteenth. So we're going to assume now matzahs is eaten on the fifteenth day of Pesach. So it was the fifteenth day of Pesach. And um, again, by Avram they were at the exactly maybe maybe by Avram they were. It was still the fourteenth. That was the early evening. It was the fifteenth. But as we talk about the birth of, 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 of Yitzchak, we're saying, since they said next year at this time, that means exactly that day. So that day that they were talking about was the 15th day of Nisan. So on the 15th day of Nisan, they were told that next year, and he made him, you're going to have a son. 
and the reason we know it's the Nisna is because it says that he baked the matzahs when it's right from there. And exactly in the midday, because that's my Yemazah, midday, um, uh, the Jews left, went out the, their freedom. So even though the freedom started, I guess, from the night before, because it wasn't complete, I mean, they the timing, the Bechor, the, but they didn't leave, what they actually left, this verse is talking mm. about, in the middle of the day was exactly at 12 noon, or so to speak, and just smack when it came, and exactly in the middle of the day, and the point over here is everything lined up. The decree came to Hashem 30 days, 30 years before, the middle of the day. Uh, Yitzchak was born 30 days, 30 years later, in the middle of the day, uh, they were they were first told, and then the middle of the day, and then he was born in the middle of the day, and four hundred years later, exactly in the middle of the day, this teaches us that Hashem doesn't hold them back, even for one minute. So, okay, and the next piece is the um, is the um, discussion over here brought down from the Talmud and the Rashi over there, which basically is the same as the Rashi over here that we just read in the in the English. But then below that piece, the Hebrew, uh, the question is how many years was it from the time Yaakov came to Egypt until the Bnei Yisrael left? So that we say that was 210 years. That's what the Rashi said before. Now, how do we come up with the number of 210. How do we come up with the number 210? Now there's a lot of hints in the Pasuk. It says redu equals 210. Uh, the number redu, redu the Hebrew numerical value of redu, shama, that Yaakov said was a hint that they're going to be there for 210. There's various hints, but how do we get the actual number of 210? Uh, so the um, um, because what, what we have to do is um, we have to take we have to deduct uh, sort of from Yitzchak from the 400 years okay from uh, Yitzchak that he lived it? Yitzchak lived um, Yitz, Yitzchak lived for 180 years Yitzchak lived um, and um, so what's 180 minus 400 you know, no, that would be uh, two twenty, but not. But then you and have then to figure out. But you figure years. out after, and Yaakov, no, because Yaakov was how old was Yaakov? You so you can take a, you can take a, you can figure out because Yaakov was born when Yitzchak was sixty years old. That's when Yaakov was born. Okay, so Yaakov was born when 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 Yitzchak was sixty years old, and when Yaakov came to Egypt, he said that he was one hundred and thirty when he met up with Pharaoh. He said to Pharaoh that uh, I'm 130 years old, okay? So you have to figure, take off from the 130, uh, you have to add another 60, okay? Because he was 60 years younger than Yitzchak, right? So 130 and 60 is how much? Is 190. 190 minus 400 is 210, right? That's how we get 210. That's how we get over 210. You get it? If I were to say it, I didn't have it written down. I lost you. You lost me. No, it's very... No, it's Why very, did you take the 60? We, the 400 starts from when? From when Yitzchak was born. That's right, what we said, right, okay? Right. Okay. Okay, Yitzchak is born. Yeah. And after Yitzchak lived for 60 years, the verse tells us, I didn't bring it down here. The verse tells us that after living with... with, with after Yitzchak lived for 60 years, he gave birth to Yaakov. So how much is Yaakov younger than than how much is Yaakov younger than Yitzchak? Sixty years. Sixty years younger, right? Now the verse says that when Yaakov comes to oh. Pharaoh, he says, "I am hundred and thirty years." So we know that he was hundred and thirty. So how old is Yitzchak at that time? One hundred and thirty plus sixty. So it's 190. It's 130 of Yaakov plus the 60 of how old his father was is 190. It's 190. Okay, and then 190 minus 400 is 210. Okay. So that's how you know that the Jews were from when Yaakov came down, it was 210 years. That's how we get 210 years. 400 minus his age. Okay. 400. But, but, you're counting the 210 years of hard work from when Not how did you work yet? Okay, because right that now, wasn't... Uh, no, now we're talking when he came right. in Egypt. Just how long... Oh, oh, very yeah. good. That's the next part of it. Okay. So now this is what... But that's how so we that get... That was the, an no. easy way to get to 190. 
because you took the one thirty of of, I, of Yaakov, you added the sixty years of how Yitzhak. old his father was. And if you know that the four hundred begins from where? From the time Isaac was born. And where you take four hundred begins from when Isaac was born. So that's how you get four hundred. So now but that's easy. Yeah. Okay, we got it. Now Rashi did not did not elaborate this over here, but Rashi just takes it for granted that you know it's two ten. Okay, now. But we still want to know how many years was slavery. So it was two hundred ten. That was from the time the last. Okay, when died. did the slavery begin? After all the brothers died. <coughs> after all the brothers died. <coughs> As we will see. Heidi, why don't you do the next verse, verse 6 over here? Let me see that. Now, now Joseph died as well as his brothers and all that generation. And this, this is follows. So the Torah tells us that after Yosef died and all his brothers. Who was the last brother? Okay, we'll see. Okay, okay one second. Good. Okay, continue. The children. The children of Israel were fruitful and swarmed and increased and became very, very strong in the land of him. Continue, just read a few verses here. A new king arose over Egypt who did not know about Joseph. He said to his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more numerous and stronger than we are. Get ready, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they increase and a war befall us, and they join our enemies and depart from the land. So this is just to show you that when did all this slavery, all this begins, as you said in the beginning of the verse here, that Joseph as well as all of his brother, mm-hmm. and all that generation, they died. After their death, it all begins. Now, why does the Torah tell us that? To tell us that as long as one of the tribes was still alive, there was no slavery. So now we have to figure out when did they actually die? When did, when did it last? Now, how are we going to know when they, they died? Now, it's interesting that the Torah gives no record of when any of the brothers died. There's no record in the Torah. There's only two, two of the brothers we know when, how long they lived. Joseph, it says in the end of Pashtun, he lived for 110 years. But the only other brother we find lived is the son is Levi. Okay, so then, why do we only find the Torah telling us that Levi lived 137 years? Why does the Torah tell us? Let's just do the puzzle. Nancy, do the verse. And these, and, the, and these are the names? Uh, these are the names of Levi's son. Huh? What? Doesn't say how long they lived. The Torah doesn't tell you how long they lived. Okay. And these are the names of Levi's sons after their generations. Gershon, Kahalt, and Merari. And the years of Levi, Levi's life were 137 years. Now why does the Torah say, let's do the Rashi. So why does the Torah tell us how long he lived for? So why were um, Levi's years counted? To let us know... How many were the years of bondage? For as long as one of the tribes was alive, there was no bondage, as it is said. Now Joseph died as well as all his brothers, and afterwards a new king arose, and Levi outlived them all. So okay. we have to know how old Levi was okay. when he came to Egypt. No, so what Rashi is basically saying is, we know two facts. We know the fact that the bondage didn't start until the last one of the brothers died. We know that. And we also only know about Levi's death because it was recorded in the Torah. But we don't know how long Ruvain lived. We don't know how how we're going to figure that out. So Rashi says the reason why the Torah records Levi's death to tell you that Levi outlived them all. So you can start counting the slavery from when? After he died. But we have to know when he we have to know how old Levi was when he got to Egypt. We have to know how long we got to figure out when the slavery started. Okay. Okay. Look Look at the next piece. Yosef, what time we have? Just, uh, how are we doing? We're, Keep going. We're finishing it now that we finally yeah, got yeah. 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 What are the time? Is it what? Seven. Seven o'clock. Okay, let's go. Yeah. Yosef was 39. Yosef was there when Yaakov and family came to Egypt. How do I know that? When Yosef's family, when the family came to Egypt, Yosef was 39. How do I know that? Because at 30, he became second to, to Pharaoh. Because the Pesach says that he was 30 years when he appointed him as the viceroy. He became the second to Pharaoh. And seven years of plenty, when the, the dream, the first part of the plenty, and two years of hunger. So 
that is when he was reunited in the verse that after he tells his brother there's another seven, another five years of hunger, he tells his brother, and they should come to him for there's another five years. So after becoming, after 30, so he was 37, right? Now, Yosef was only a few years younger than Levi. He was a few years younger than Levi. We know that when they, when Levi, how, how do we know he's a few years younger than Levi? Okay, so let's look like this. Because Yaakov marries his wife, wives, after working for Lavan for seven years. Right? He works, that's when he marries them. Because what happened is, he married, he worked for seven years to marry whom? To marry Rachel. He went and gives him Leah. Then he gives him also Rachel. And then he promises he's going to work another seven years for him. So, but when did he marry his wives? Right away. After seven years by them. Okay, now, after working for Lavan for additional seven years, yeah, Yosef was born. Because the verse says that after he, he filled his years, he says to, it says Yosef was born. The Torah says, I didn't quote all the things over here, but Yosef says to, uh, Yaakov says to Lavan, after Yosef was born, listen, I've been working for you all this time. When am I going to work for my own family? So he makes a deal with him that he's going to give him part of the sheep. He's going to give him the colored ones, the, the dotted ones, the spotted ones. So, so after working for them for additional seven years, Yosef was born. Leah, no, so how many, so Yosef was born how many years after the Yaakov married his wives? Fourteen. No. Seven. No. What? His worst, his wife were given to him after working for seven years. Exactly. Originally, he worked seven years, he wasn't married yet. But look, after working for Lovin for an additional seven years, Yosef was born. So, how many after marrying? So, how many years after the wife? I were? think 14. Seven. No, no so because it look, like yeah, no, well. why? Because look, he marries, he marries his wife after seven years. I understand that. After working for Lovin for additional seven years, which means. To make up for getting also Rachel, he told him. Okay, okay. And then Yosef was born. He worked for him 14 years, but he was only married seven. That's right. Because he only married them after the first seven years. Okay, okay. okay. So he waited seven years. Okay. After, okay. So, but how was that? He, he worked, he married, and, and then he worked. worked. Okay. So the other seven years, but it says, I'll point out that he, Yosef was born after seven years he was born. Okay. Now, Leah gave birth to seven children before Yosef was born. Six sons and one daughter. Because it says, Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Yisachar, Zavula were all born and Dina. Six sons and one daughter. <coughs> because all through all this, she was jealous, Rachel and, and everything. <coughs> so, which means, mother, Levi was number three. How many, within seven years, how many children did Leia have? Seven. Seven children. That means approximately one child per year. Yeah. Approximately, okay? So if Yosef was born at seven years later, we have to say Levi, who was number three, was approximately four years older than, than Yosef. Levi was number three, so we can assume that Levi was about four years older than Yosef. So if Yosef is 39, when his family comes... Levi is 43. Right? So, Levi is 43. So he lived... Levi is 43. So he lived in Mitzrayim until his death. Okay, so from, from he lived... How long did he live for? We said 137. Right? Mm -hmm. We have to take off 43. So 43 minus 137 ends up to be... 94. So 94 years was the time that he lived in Egypt. He lived in Egypt 94 years. After 94 years, after his death, that's when it all started, the trouble. If you minus 210 minus 94, you have 116 years. So that equals the number of years they were slaves. What? That was slaves. Bondage. What? Bondage. That, that was the bondage. The bondage was... 160. So 160. From the 210 years... It was 116 years that they were in bondage. And this is how we figured it out by going back to the years of Levi.
and the ways we do, and I just wanted to. Every time when we talk about the Haggadah and you tell the story and you say the years of bondage, you always talk about the four hundred years, the four hundred years. I mean, I know That's they were not free and they were soldiers and it was a hard life, but after the years of bondage, which was a long time, it was only sixteen years. One hundred and sixteen years. One hundred sixteen years. That's correct. Okay, why don't you just finish the next verses to show us some to, some of the the facts we just mentioned? And okay. It came to pass when Rachel was born. No, it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to love and send me away and I will go to my place and to my land. Give me my wives and my children for whom I've worked for you and I will go. For you know my work which I have worked for you. And then he said, specify your wages for me and I will give them. So this shows us that he started to work for him at that point, right? Mm -hmm. So what does this show to I you so far? We, we don't know that exactly, but it just it shows you that when did he start, after Yosef was born, he started to tell him, now I want, I want some pay, I can't work for you just for free anymore. And you were saying that Yosef was born after the seven years. Okay, but I'm, I'm proving that now. How am I proving that? I gave you a fact, but now I'm proving it from the Pesukim. Because mm -hmm. first I'm proving to you that after Yosef was born is when he started, had a conversation with Lovin, saying to him, that what I got to work for myself. Then look at verse forty-one. Finish up with verse forty-one. We'll say much later. Twenty years. Yeah. yeah. You could read it. This is okay. Go to hide it. Okay. This is the twenty years that I've spent in your house. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters and six years for your animals. You changed my wages ten times, ten times. Okay, but here it says that he worked for you fourteen years for your two daughters and six years for your animals. Six years for your animals means that when he started, that is when Yosef, after Yosef was born. That proved to us that Yosef was born seven years after, because the, 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 the negotiation to start getting his pay for his work started after Yosef was born. So that's how we see that Yosef was born seven years after they were married. And then we know that Levi had to be only four years older. That's how we figured out that Levi was old. That's how we figured out when the slavery started. And, and that's how we all figured out that we came to the number 116. So Hope Joseph, it clarified a little bit so all these Joseph different numbers and verses. Like, so Joseph was like six years old when they left. When they left. Yeah. And then it took about two years for them. It to was 17 years. No, yeah. wait, so it took two years for them to travel back. To yes, Friday. that's right, yeah. So you yeah. take six and two. And that's when Binyamin was born? He's eight. And over there Binyamin was born? Eight. Right. And then, and then, like nine years, they were then, living until yeah. they finally sold him right. into slavery. Yeah, they were 17. 17. Yeah. So I have a different question. So okay, but all these things, all these numbers. Yeah, and they're going to get tested on this thing. Yeah. So it's a different yeah. question, though. Okay. In this passage, they talk about that, uh, the mitzvah of, of making a new calendar? Yeah, yes, exactly. So, because you're talking the whole thing about the calendar. How do they have a calendar then? That's what I want to know. If, th if they don't have the mitzvah until now, how okay, do they so, know all uh, the other stuff we were talking about? Yeah, but my question is, they always had the moon. Okay. The moon, the system of the moon getting big and getting small, that's nature. It's a calculated. Right. See, there's a mitzvah of doing it other with the, these are both. These are natural phenomena, and there's also a mitzvah to be mekadosh levana. And it was with witnesses and everything Isn't else. That but it, yeah, but it's told in this week's yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. parsha. Actually, the first thing. But the thing is that um, before they had this mitzvah, they still had the natural phenomenon okay. of what took place. Mm -hmm. Just like we have today, when we don't do the mitzvah because we don't have a bed din right. and we don't have the court, so we have a calendar. So they had a calendar as well. Uh, there wasn't the mitzvah; it was before the Torah was given. So they must have had the calendar as well. The um, the, the question that I had before was because Pesach seems to be by the moon, how could you say this year at that right. time the when right. that seems to be related to the sun? Since when the sun yeah. will shine in the same spot, how does that connect to the time of the moon? Pesach is not 360, right. next year right. Pesach is not 365 no. later than the last year Pesach. Right. So it's a different schedule. So the question is how could you say, and it's possible, that what he showed him on the wall was not the time at that time over there, but he showed him the time that it's going to be a year from, a year from now. Not that's now, it actually wasn't the time now. Showed him on the wall where the sun would appear after 365 days 
at this point, but not the point where they were now, because but it's not it the same point. then it makes sense to say, if he made a mark, and he says when the sun will shine at that mark, yeah. he's saying whatever amount of days it'll That's take right. for the sun to be shining yeah, on there. Exactly. Right. Not to, but not that that was the point where they were standing on there. Right. Or, the other interpretation I possibly came up right now, what I was thinking <laughs> is, maybe he wasn't even telling about the time of the year, he was just telling the time of the day. But it says... That would be kind of strange. Well, we always exactly. Teach, no, but we always teach... I don't know, we teach it. I don't know if it's the first... We teach next, this time next, next year. year. That's right. But the, the emphasis of showing him on the thing was not for so much for next year, but it was this time. Meaning the time of the day. The showing on the wall was not the so much this year, but it's actually just the timing of the day, exactly at this particular time. Because it had to be at noontime. Yes. But it had to be at noon exactly. time next year. Okay, but we're not talking about the next year now. Next year, whenever next year is. Whenever it's Pesach. That was there. But next year, whenever it is, at this particular time. So then, he was only showing them at which part of the day it was. Which, also, again, not knowing so much the astronomy and how this exactly worked, I don't know if there's a different angle of the sun on each day of the year. I mean, I'm not sure. There There must be, right? But you can actually tell. Could those people tell on the wall at which day of the year is this? You can tell by where the sun falls, Mm -hmm. what uh, time of the year. Because you know that every day the sun... You know, sets it at a different time. It's a little yeah, bit but I would, but I would think, yeah, that that I understand. So it changes during the day. Too. But I think it keeps on going up and down, up and down. Certain times of year, it's higher yeah. in the sky, it's lower in the sky. Okay, it's, okay, it's so possibly that. So if, if that is the case, we have to say he pointed. He didn't point him at that time, but he pointed to the time that was going to be the next day. Okay, I hope we learned some things.